Welcome to The Gap, where it's our mission to bridge the gap between javelin and baseball training styles. I'm Bret Hart, founder of Hitman Performance, head training conditioning coach at Grind Athlete Performance, and ex-collegiate baseball player turned powerlifter. And I'm Dan Labadia, javelin coach at Southern Connecticut State University and the man behind Jack Javelin. Hope you guys enjoy the show. New on-air song today. How are we feeling? Feeling good. I know, we're upgraded. Yeah. All right, we're not, not doing too shabby for 24, 24-year-olds 24 on a podcast. Yeah, man. Wait, 20, are you 25 yet? Saturday. Saturday? Oh, yeah. shit. Yeah. Pickleball to celebrate. Yeah, I know. But I, um, yeah, I mean, every, every episode's getting easier to edit, so it's good. I get, you know, not, not wasting four hours of my, of my time per episode anymore, which is good. Today, we're going to be talking about why coaches should train. Ironically enough, we just finished working out together, we sort did. of. We sort of kind of ran into each other at the gym. <laughs> <laughs> Unplanned workout together. Dude, I remember uh, when I was younger, when I was like 20, and I started listening to Mind Pump all the time, I remember them talking about how like, you know, the three of them, they all, they all like run this business together, Mind Pump Media, their main platform is a podcast, but they have like YouTube and Instagram as well, and they have a really, really successful media fitness company where like... They said that, like they they only like they were like four years in together in the business and they only worked it out together like one time a year and I was like how is that possible like yeah. you guys work together you have a gym in your facility and I'm like that doesn't make any sense but then now it's like after working with you for a year and a half and then seeing like all right once you're kind of out of that like just coaching 40, 50, 60 hours a week mode and you start doing other time other things with your time I could see how it does get a lot busier and like how you need to really carve out the time to to train and like my schedule be way different from your schedule and especially now that we're not working together anymore it's like even more rare you know yeah be super intentional about it but like i thought it, I, I just thought it was crazy then i kind of related it back to like me you and denzel like how often did we work out the three of us <laughs> never maybe like twice <laughs> exactly <laughs> maybe twice yeah i mean that's those are just good times though like those training sessions yeah. that just last like three hours so you're not really even like working out too hard you're just shooting the shit a lot of the times yeah like no the no stress ones. yeah like no stress you just lift, you hang yeah. out with your boys, like you're doing crazy stuff. Like that's always the most fun. It's not like so regimented and programmed. Yeah. But that's how I remember we used to do that a lot when um it was like a fall like last fall, fall of twenty twenty two. It was like Jordan was playing football at the time, so he was he didn't train with me on Saturdays. And then like Anna used to be working at the hospital where she would have to work Saturdays. So my Saturdays after like eleven, twelve like eleven AM were like free. And then me, you and Zach were just like crush a three-hour lift and then, <laughs> yeah. and then go like get the sushi or pizza or something yeah that was always the most chicken fun. breast first chicken then breast first pizza. then pizza protein always first <laughs> dude i uh so there was this javelin thrower thomas roller who he won the olympics in 2016 and he posted a clip of him eating like a veggie burger and i just commented like need more protein and he responded this huge paragraph back to me and was talking about how um he was like to me a diet is much more than raw eggs and oj and he was taking a shot at me and Mike for that YouTube video. Yeah. And I was just like, well, at least he was tuning into the channel. <laughs> Yo, thank you for watching the video. Right? <laughs> Yo, thanks. Good luck for watching the video. Yeah. I just thought it was so funny. I, I didn't even respond just because, like, I mean, he could he could live however he wants. Like, obviously, he threw 93 meters and yeah. won the Olympics. So it's like, dude, like, you could do whatever you want. I just, I was just being a little. Social media is, yeah, social media is funny how tight people can get, like, over, like, yeah. little things. Like, that was like, such a stupid comment. Like, yeah. you know how long he spent, like, trying to write up that thing <laughs> back to you? And all you, all you said was more protein. Yeah. Like, that's it. Yeah. But, I mean, hey, to each their own. Yeah. But, um, yeah, so why do you think that coaches need to continue to train, like, after they're done with their sport? I just think, I always go back to uh, David Goggins has a cool post, and Goggins is 
a nut job. Like he's a freak of nature. So I'm not saying train like Goggins, but he always said, if you're going to talk about it, you need to be about it. And that quote to me is like exactly what a strength coach should be. Uh, I'm actually making a post right now about like what I experienced with exercise science being at Springfield College, where I would talk to like other students in the major. Like, oh, what are you doing for lifting today? Or, like, what are you doing? I was like, oh, I don't really work out. And to me, that's crazy. I'm like, how are you not going to work out if your major is exercise science? Like, exercise is half of what is in the major. That's like uh, if a bartender never drank before, or if a chef never tasted its food, or like ate like their high quality meals. Like, I think it just all, or if a painter never practiced painting. Yeah. Like, it makes, What's that quote? Like, never trust a skinny chef or something? Never trust a skinny chef. Kanye had one of the lines, like, never trust a bartender that don't drink. Um, like, all those things relate to training and coaching. It's like, you have no idea what the athlete has to go through in order to get whatever goals they want if you don't train yourself. Yeah. Like, yeah, everyone has different goals. Like, if you want to be a powerlifter, be a powerlifter, want to be a bodybuilder, be a bodybuilder. But if you're a younger coach, like how we are, like, we're all, like, we're in very good physical shape. Like, there's no reason for us not to be sprinting or jumping or doing anything athletic if we're going to force our athletes to do that as well. And it, I honestly think it creates a lot of buy-in, like, with the kids, because so many kids have come up to me, like, I love your posts. Like, I love your workouts. Like, when are we going to be able to do that? Like, one of the kids asked uh, Connor, who's the head guy at The Grind right now, oh, the new program, we're going to be doing more Brett stuff. He's like, what do you mean Brett stuff? And like, oh, the stuff you post on Instagram. And like, yeah, eventually we'll be doing stuff like that. Uh, I only show off the highlights of like the cool stuff I do. I do a lot of other things that are like very basic, but those don't get likes or engagement on Instagram, so I just don't post those. But my background being powerlifting a lot and then transitioning more to the athletic-based movement, I can see other things in athletes that I wouldn't have seen if I only did the main barbell movements. I, I would see the rotation in the sprint now, which I wasn't really seeing because I felt it. I'm more, what's that type of learning? There's like auditory, visual, and is it tactile learning? the learning oh, I just say learn by experience yeah learn by experience like learn by doing trial by fire like the only way I can learn and apply the things that I read and listen to and watch is if I do them myself mm -hmm. and it's kind of hypocritical if I were to try to give someone nutrition advice but I was like 30% body fat like what's mm -hmm. like it's stupid to me I was like it, you're why would I listen to you or like if I, I was it was very like immature thinking but it was I still think it's true like going to a PT that like looks terrible and then never worked out like, why would I listen to you? Like, what Like what do I get out of listening to, like, what you have to tell me? Mm -hmm. It's like, if you don't do it yourself. Yeah. And that's just my mindset. And I know there's millions of athletes with that type of mindset as well. And I'm not saying, like, a Division One athlete makes a great coach. Like, you can be a freak athlete and a terrible coach and not know how to explain things. So you need to do both. Like, you need to read. You need to listen to other coaches in the industry. You need to ex have that experience being on the floor for however many hours a day, like, watching athletes work out. But you have to do it yourself. Like, you can't – there's no shortcuts. Like, you have to be able to do the thing – that you want out of your athletes. And I think just by training yourself that way, it helps you understand what you want to get out of them. Yeah, I, I agree with that. And even me, like I've always kind of been in that coach athlete role from when I started. And even when I first started programming, like I had to adapt where I'd be like sitting on the couch writing the program and then it would just be like an insane amount of stuff. And then we'd get there and do it. And then it would take us like, we'd be like three hours into the session. And I'm just like, all right, we're cutting this out. We're cutting that out. We're cutting yeah, that out. Yeah, exactly. You know, and then I was talking to our head coach Wallen about it, and he's like, "Yeah, it's a lot easier to write out all that stuff when you're sitting on the couch programming, and then when you're actually doing it, you realize like, okay, if you're gonna do like, you know, a warm up set ten, eight, five, and then go into a five by five at like ninety percent effort with like three to five minutes rest, it's like that one lift is gonna take you an hour, yeah. and then it's like if you have like two hours of accessories, it's like, and then you have to like throw and run and jump on top of it. It's like you know, it's just stuff like that where 
me writing the program being, you know, 21 at the time, then going to do it and then realizing like, holy cow, this is like way too much. And then learning from that experience and then being able to just build on that year after year after year. And also too, just, you know, coach Wallen told me a piece of advice too, the other day when we were talking, cause I was talking to him about how like my ego is taking a little bit of a hit this winter because this is, you know, I'm not like weak by any means, but this is the first year like, I haven't, I haven't gone into an off season with a plan of like, I'm going to focus on this lift. Like, deadlift power clean bench whatever squat i always had like that like a three-month plan mapped out to like peak this one lift and then i would start focusing on jeff where like this whole off season i've just been like all right i just got to get better at throwing because similar to the conversation we're having now is like i want to be able to prove that i could throw further as a coach into you know post-collegiate career into um you know like semi-professional however you want to call it my career but like just to show like that i could do it and um, be have that more of like reputable reputation of you know being a javelin coach and stuff down the road, and um, part of that is just doing it and like learning it and studying it and learning from other people and going out and trying to implement it myself, seeing what works, seeing what doesn't work, like you know making it happen. Me taking the trip down to Florida to go train with Kevin and Mike, and I took the back seat because I was like they throw away further than me. I'm gonna be an athlete and just kind of observe and learn from them. And then same thing going to LSU next week. Like there's tons of throwers and coaches there that have but had more experience than me and have thrown further than me. And I'm going as an athlete. I'm not taking Nevin and Jordan with me. I'm going by myself for me to just have that experience of like just absorbing that knowledge and, um, and just absorbing, you know, what they're, what they have to teach me. But it's like, I'm going to be learning it, then doing it. And then whatever I learn, I bring it back to my athletes at Southern or my athletes at Upward and stuff like that. Yeah. I mean, I think what a lot of people get misconstrued, like especially with younger coaches that I've seen, with extra sciences that they go cert hunting, like certification hunting. Like they need to get like five different certifications. In- <laughs> I mean, I barely got one. <laughs> but, like, but to me, like that's an investment like that you can learn from all the textbooks and like pass the test. And like, sure, if you want to go do that, and I'm not saying the certifications are bad, but I think a lot of it comes from insecurity that they know that physically they can't do a lot of the things that their athletes can do. So they use the, the knowledge, um, the knowledge that they gain, I don't even know if they like retain all of it. The saying like, I have all these certs, like you should listen to me. Mm-hmm. I have not, like I've said that before in podcasts before is like, no one's ever asked me like what my certification is. My certification is uh 36 standing inch vertical jump. <laughs> and I ran, I ran four, six, 40. So I was like, I, I think it's just funny that no one, like none of your clients care. And I know like my adult clients, they don't, they don't care at all. Like they see that I'm in shape and they see that like, I work out and I know how to coach and cue different exercises and like what to feel and just overall just being like a good dude, like a, just a good person overall, not trying to sound smarter than I am. I really like, I bet if like I was mic'd up on like the coaching floor and you just didn't know anything about me, you're like, oh, this guy's an idiot. Like, this guy, like, this guy daps everybody up. He just gritties and he just does a couple cues. And like, does this guy know what he's talking about? I'm like, yeah, I do, but I'm not, I don't care to say any of it to the kids. Uh, like, and if I know if they get like the application that I want them to get, then who cares if I know how to say it in a textbook way or not? Like, I'm not going to just regurgitate stuff that I read and hope that the kid cares about it. And like, I've been talking a lot about like nutrition and diet and the kids are just like, they really don't know a lot. I was like, I'd ask like, how many grams of protein should you be eating a day? If you're, if you want to be like a division one athlete, peanut butter, yeah, yeah, like, peanut butter, <laughs> they're like 50, like, like 50 grams a meal. Maybe. That, was, yeah, that was like, that was like the DeVito's. Like I remember the first day I asked them like, all right, what'd you have for breakfast? They're like bacon, egg and cheese. I'm like, how many eggs were in it? I was like, they're like two. 
I don't know how many pro, how many grams of protein is in one egg, and then they're like a lot, like twenty five. It's like nope, it's like six. Yeah. It's, like, it's like six grams. <laughs> that's what so, I mean. Like that's why I, I literally have that in my grocery shopping video. I'm like, if you eat two eggs, congrats, it's twelve grams of protein. You have one hundred and eighty eight more grams <laughs> yeah, to go. You have one hundred eighty grams to go. Keep it up. Yeah, it's just things like that that um, I think just help you as a coach. Like if you're not in shape, and if you don't take your diet seriously, you don't take your training seriously. Clients can pick, like, they can sniff that out. Like, it could just be, like, or you're just going to attract the clients that aren't really that good. Mm-hmm. You're going to attract the kids that, like, don't really care, and they're going to be a reflection on you. So the athletes that you attract and bring into your program, it's going to be a reflection on who you are as a person, like how dedicated you are, how disciplined you are, how hard you train, how, how dialed in your nutrition is, because they wanna, they're going to mirror, like, who they look up to. Mm-hmm. So if you're a bad role model and bad example, that that's who they're going to mirror. Like, if you're going to be having cheat meals every other day, and being like a super high body fat percentage and not training, not being explosive or not being strong. Like the athletes that you attract, they're going to replicate that. Yeah. And that, that's where I think in myself too, like you were talking about from like the buy-in perspective is like the first year. So when I graduated grad school, I was 23 and I pretty much made it a point to be like, all right, I'm not going to, I'm not going to train for Javelin anymore. Like I just wanted to get super big and strong and, and I wanted to like maintain my mobility and stuff like that. But I said, if it wasn't going to be my main focus, I didn't want to do it. And I didn't want that to take away from my athletes. And, um, the whole year went by and I didn't train with Nevin and Jordan at all. And I was only, I I was there, I coached them and then I left. And, um, then after the season was over in the summertime, since I wasn't going to practice all the time, that's when I had a little bit more time on my hands. I started picking it back up again. And, you know, there was, we had a couple sessions together over the summer and they were like, dude, we cannot believe you went the entire year without training with us. And I was like, I was trying to just make sure that you guys know that like you're the priority, not myself. So I think that like as a young coach, that was kind of like a little bit of my hesitancy and my personal experience with it. But then, you know, Nevin partially tore his UCL over the um, over the season, you know, the last meet of the year or the second to last meet of the year. So he had to take the summer and the fall off from throwing. And you know, like Jordan needed a training partner and there was no one else. So it's like, not that I stepped up out of obligation, but I was like, I kind of wanted to get back into it anyway. But like, I, I almost like had to, because I know that for Jordan, it's like, he could, he could, th- he thrives off the environment and stuff. And if the pra- if the energy is too low and it's just like a one-on-one, he kind of like, just like, it could get boring for him. And so that's when I started getting back into throwing. And then now just like being there with them, training alongside them, making sure that they're taken care of but then they also see me working out and training with them as well. They, they could, you know, I think that it makes a big difference in our training sessions. And like, they definitely have like a big fire like under them again this year, which I think that last year we lacked a little bit. And I'm not saying it was all because of me at all, but I just think that like, there's just a certain type of energy that I bring to practice when I'm invested in it for myself as well, because I need to make sure that practice goes smoothly for them so that I could get my training session. in once they're kind of starting to wrap up and then also just like, when I'm fired up about my throwing, I come into practice more fired up. And I think that Yoakum talked about that as well. It's like having that selfishness as a coach and like being like, you're going to do this and you need to be selfish about it. And you rework your whole day around it and stuff like that, because you know, that will allow you to figure out a way to get your social life in order, get your financial life in order, get your coaching schedule in order so that you can do the thing that you want to do. And then when you do that thing that you want to do, you become a better athlete, you experiment with it your athletes see that and then that creates Mm -hmm. buy-in. One of the biggest pet peeves too that I have is like not wanting to be the best at like what you do. So like if you're a coach, like you want to be the best coach, like 
in the world uh, to me, or like, or like just to be the best version of yourself. Like if you're an athlete, you want to be the best version of yourself that you can. Like I've talked to people like, Oh, what do you want? Like you're in grad school. What do you want to do with it? I don't know. If you have a physical therapist, like you want to start up your own place? No, never. Hey, I want to just work for someone. And to me, like, I just don't resonate with it. Yeah. Like if I'm going to do something, like I want to be the absolute best at it. And that's just like maybe the competitiveness that I've had, like playing, like growing up, like I never approached a practice or approached a lifting session, just trying to like be average. Yeah. And we've, we've joked about it before of like what the average male body looks like in America. Like yeah. it looks terrible. And so like to me, average is just awful. Like it should never be a goal. Mm-hmm. Like if you're going to do something and you're going to like commit financially, cause it's not cheap for like high level training and to go to college, like college is very expensive. You want to just go play baseball. Like you don't want to just be another body. Yeah. Like to me, I always wanted to be the guy. Was I ever the guy? Probably not, but it definitely helped me mentally of like how I approached certain aspects like in my career and in my life of like, I want to be the best student in the class. I want the classes that mattered junior year. I didn't really care about most of the classes I took. That's where you can get into the beta of this college is even worth it. But, um, if you're going to do something, do it at a hundred percent. Like what's yeah, the point of like, absolutely. what's the point of just half assing it? Yeah. Like you get one shot at it. Like even like this podcast, like we went all in, like we decorated. This is my old bed. This yeah. is <laughs> like, this is my old, like they like, we could have kept it the exact same. And had just one mic. The Torah. Yeah, like we could have just, we could have just got like, like fold it, like fold up um, beach chairs. Yeah, yeah, beach chairs with the sink, like with the road mics, yeah. and like didn't even have to get this camera. We could have done it on our iPhone and just posted it on YouTube yeah. and like half-assed it. Like, what's the point of that? Yeah. I was like, if we're gonna do something, we gotta go all in. Yeah, and that, yeah. I think that just helps with like you wanting to keep doing it. Absolutely, and that it's a, that investment piece, and that's where I come from in terms of like a professional standpoint where. It's my dream to make, like I said, javelin one of the most popular training styles in the country. And to do that, you know, I'm a baseball strength and conditioning coach. I'm a baseball nutritionist, but I'm also a javelin coach. But what would help all of that is if I could throw 70 meters. Like that would, that would, if I could do all that and still throw 70 meters in my like, you know, post collegiate career, I think that that would, that would help a lot, you know? Mm-hmm. And it's like being able to um, have that platform of going all in on the content and the brand and, you know, collaborating with the baseball guys like you and juice factory and like, you know, summer's method and the guys at ATP like Heenan and and Luke and just like having those connections and building those relationships and like doing all that stuff. It's like, I'm all in on that stuff, but you know, if I can't, you know, yeah. Okay. I'm, you know, reputable in terms of nutrition and strength and conditioning. And, you know, I've coached at a very high level, but I need to be able to do it myself. And like, that's been the shift that I've had the past year as well is like understanding that, you know, as a guy, when you graduate college, if you stop training at 22, like you're not even getting close to your physical peak, you know, like your physical peak as a guy is, is like 26 to 30. And like, especially to like I've talked about in the past where in javelin, you need a lot of reps of lifetime throwing volume, whether it's baseball, plyo balls or a javelin to like, just get the feel down and get that hip shoulder separation and that chest stretch and, all those things we talk about to be able to actually like throw far and get the, you know, the energy transfer from the full approach into the throw. And it's like all those things that I neglected when I was in college. It's like, I fully believe that, you know, if I continue to train the next 10 years, like I'll figure it out at some point, mm-hmm. you know, like, and again, like I don't know, I'm reference Austin Yoakum again. That's the biggest difference between Jordan and I, like I've talked about in the past, like, you know, that high level elite athlete, like Jordan will pick something up in like one session and be like, all right, what's next? Versus me, it might take me like a couple months to a year to figure out one thing. But it's like if I just stay in the game long enough, 
you know, eventually I'll be able to be able to do it. And that's kind of like where my mind shift, my mindset shift has been now is like, I'm going to train. I might as well train for Jav. Like, and this is like what I love to do. And I could even see in myself, it's like this year being more invested in my own career, my own training, it's forcing me to go learn and reach out to other people and communicate because I'm trying to fix stuff in my own throat. Then when I get those drills and those cues and those technical aspects down, I'm able to teach those to my freshmen and Nevin and Jordan and help them learn at an accelerated rate. So it's like by me training, it's forcing me to be selfish and try to figure out how to fix my own technique and reach out to other people and learn from them. And then that allows me to be a better coach as well. Yeah. I mean, there's a cool quote on the, um, in the jujitsu place I go to, it's uh, the difference between a white belt and a black belt is just the black belt never gave up. Mm -hmm. So it takes about 10 years to get your black belt in jujitsu with continuous training like it's a long, it's a, it's a very long process. So if someone's a three strike black belt, they'll kick your ass. Like they've been, they've been doing it for years. So that's the same thing with like, like getting a social brand or like becoming a great coach or becoming a great athlete. It's like the only difference between like someone that like didn't reach their full potential versus someone that did is that someone that did just never quit. Yeah. never gave up. There are times where you kind of have to look at yourself and be like, all right, is this worth it? So I, I talked about it with, um, I think it was the Sandstone podcast about like the baseball guys that are like pitching like yeah, you're 27, 28, like you have to be realistic at some point. Like, yeah, you can never give up and keep trying, but at what point do you want to start up a life and a family and like do other things, especially if like your production's not there, your speed's not there. Like you got to be realistic at some point, but if you're younger, like us, like there's no point to not go hundred percent at like what you're trying to do. Like, yeah. And then coaching, like I've said it before, uh, I don't think there's anything else I could do or I, I would want to do. The coaching I know is the only thing that I'm passionate about really. And I see myself doing it for a very long time. So why not just keep trying to get better at it and then keep learning from other coaches and learning on Instagram or Twitter or YouTube, like having this podcast and talking to you and picking your brain about different uh, aspects and different things that you can work on with your athletes. And then just keep trying to build that and grow it and see what can happen with it. Yeah. And I always think too, like for myself, I look back at like how many times I've like stepped away from the sport and sports in general and like thought I was done. And each time I start back up, I learn something new. I develop a new skill. I get better. And I'm like, thank God I didn't stop. Because like looking back to when I was 18 and I committed to Southern to just be a student, I was like, all right, maybe I'll do club rugby. Maybe I'll join a frat, whatever. I was 18. I was overweight. I was going, I didn't even throw in my senior year of high school yet. And I was like, just, all right, I didn't, I, I didn't get the opportunity to play division one football. And I just wanted to stop playing sports. And then I look back at that and I'm like, thank God I threw in college. Cause then, you know, track and being under coach Wallen, like tr changed my diet and my strength and conditioning and all that like like crazy and then i look back to like after i had you know tommy john and covid year back to back i was ready to give up again i'm like oh this sucks like i haven't competed in three years like and i don't i don't want to keep doing this anymore if, like i don't get the opportunity to compete and then i end up going back and like you know learning under kevin foster and coaching nevin and jordan and learning again all those experiences and then um and then like my after my senior year like, i still had elbow issues and stuff and then thought about just not not coming back for my grad school year ended up coming back and then like graduated and then took the year off and then now i'm back again and i'm like even since i'm back again like i have been i've like learned so much the last like eight months or whatever it's been since i started throwing again and and i've been able to do things in my technique that like i never been able to do before because i've been focusing more on it and it's like even if the last like you know a couple of years have been super inconsistent it's like i'm still looking long term and being like all right i just have a very low amount of throwing volume under my belt. But like if I just stopped when I was like at 23 or 21 or 18, like the last three times I 
thought I stopped, there's so much more to learn, mm-hmm. you know, and I'm just kind of realizing that now and, and understanding that like in order for me to develop as a coach and as an athlete, I can't just keep doing the same thing I was doing before. And I can't just stop there because there's just like way more to be done. Yeah. And, um, and yeah, I just think that for what I'm trying to do professionally and with the brand, it's like, it's necessary, you know? Yeah. I had that thought like all throughout college. I remember, you know, man, I can't wait for school to be done. Cause I just want to coach. Like, I just want to work. I just want to coach. Like I want to just apply what I'm learning and do it. And COVID was actually really good because that gave me like an opportunity. Like, yeah, all right. The base, I was thinking about going back for baseball and I was fixing up my back issues and I just was like, all the COVID regulations in that season was kind of a wash. They played, I think like seven games that spring. I was like, thank God I didn't like keep trying to play baseball because I think that would have just taken away from like the rabbit holes that would go down for Mm -hmm. coaching and then driving back home every weekend to go coach and then driving back. Like I didn't go out or really do anything my junior, senior year. My senior spring, I had the full internship and like getting actual practical experience being in the field. So that's why like people can like just look at my age and assume I'm inexperienced. Like I've been coaching since I was 16, like not like not really taking it seriously until I was about like junior year of college, like maybe 20, 19, 20. But like I've put in a lot of hours like on the floor, like working with people and then behind the scenes of like researching and reading that if I kept trying to like pursue baseball, it would have taken away from that. And it just, I wasn't passionate about baseball enough to like, I know I'm like not going to the league. I'm like not really going to do much with it. Yeah. So I was like, I'm going to try to just, and I, but I really know I was passionate about like sports performance and training and lifting and coaching. So I was like, I can use the sports performance and training. Like, I'm like a great athlete. Like, what are you training for? Like, nothing, like nothing. Yeah. Like life. I was like, like the training is my coaching. And that's why I think like the textbooks and the certifications, sure, like read them and do them if that's like what you feel like you need to do. But to me, like what I learned the most from is buying a program from a coach that I really like mm-hmm. and then running through the program. So I was like, Wolvertels, Austin Yoakum's Workhorses, Jake Terra's, uh, Pat Davidson, Eric Cressy. Like I bought all these programs. I finished maybe like half of them. Like I didn't really like go through the full 10 weeks of it, but you see what, how they program and like what they do and going through it yourself, you can figure out like, all right, why did they do that? Mm-hmm. Like, why did they do that? And you can look into like some of their longer form content of like podcasts or Instagram posts where you can like try to figure out their reasoning behind like what they put in. That's why I like Pat Davidson's programs. Cause he has like a full ebook. Like his program mass two is 300 pages long. Damn. Yeah. It's because 200 pages of it is the book. It's a, it's like a legit book that goes into the physiology of everything of like why he does certain days and like the benefits of each day. Yeah. And then Austin's podcasts are great because he gets to elaborate on all of his like thoughts and ideologies and having other guests on that like share similar views or different views and going through all those things of just seeing like, what can I pick out that I like and apply and what can I just get rid of that I don't like like doing mm-hmm. it myself. I would never know what I like and don't like if I didn't do it myself. I think that what you did that was smart was like, you didn't just, stop playing baseball and then just power lift all the time. You stopped playing baseball and then you went down your long distance running rabbit hole or whatever. You went down your mobility rabbit hole. You went down your movement exploration rabbit hole. You went down the speed and jumping and like all that stuff. And so I think that's what's smart about it is that, you know, if you just stopped and then you just stayed in your comfort zone in your wheelhouse and you didn't explore and learn other things, it would have been a waste. But because you were able to like go learn the running, the jumping, the movement exploration and like all that type of stuff, that's what allowed you to be a better coach. And that's where it's like, for me, I was able to do that and stay with the sport. So that's why it benefited me as well, because I kind of had a different situation where like I was already in charge of the workout programming and the practices at when I was at college. So I didn't have to go seek out an opportunity like you did driving back to 
go coach and stuff like that, I was able to get my experience already at school and just be like, all right, we're doing somersaults for 20, like 20 minutes. Today. <laughs> you know, we're doing cartwheels, like stuff like that. And like, we used to literally do that. And in, in like, as part of our warm up, we do like somersaults, backflips, cartwheels. And it was like fun and stuff. And then I realized like, all right, you know, kind of once they got good at that stuff, I'm like, all right, you could do it. And let's focus more on like throwing technique. <laughs> like, you know, it was, it was cool. Cause I went down through all the same stuff, but I was able to like do it in our practices. And like, I could see how for me, if I was a part of like a really like rigid program where I was told what exactly I had to do every single step of the way. And then I started going down the rabbit holes like online, but then I wasn't able to implement them or I had to like go off campus or like come back like at night to do it. It would have like really bothered me. And I, maybe I would have just been like, screw this. I'm just going to train or like go Mm -hmm. throw post collegiately or something. But because like I had such flexibility from such a young age that I was able to like, similar to you when I was going down those rabbit holes, I was able to implement them right away. And I think that there's like a, there's a freedom as a coach to be able to do that type of stuff. That's very like liberating and, and it's just fun. And I think too, that it's just interesting as well. Cause like my entire grad school year when I was 23, I just always was talking about how like Jordan was my priority. I wanted to get him to the Olympics one day. I wanted to make sure he was taken care of. I was like, for me, I just want to throw like 65 and like hopefully make nationals and I'll be happy. And I was like, next year I'm going to get so jacked because I'm not gonna have to worry about track anymore. I'm just gonna be able to lift year round and I'm going to get yoked. And it's like, then I got that, and then I was like, dude, this is kind of boring. <laughs> you know, this I'm like, sucks. I'm like, dude, I miss being an athlete. And so it was like, you know, I bulked up to like 230, got massive and like super strong. But then, and then I was just like, I got bored. And then, yeah, so I'm like, all right, now I'm back in that athlete mode. Yeah, that's why I like going in the seasons. I was like, um, like the, the winter, fall, like transitioning more to like hypertrophy and strength. And then spring, summer, like when it gets warmer out, like we're in the Northeast, like it's, it does suck to like go try to sprint outside like on a track. Yeah. Like it's just, it's 20 degrees. Dude, that's why when I'm at Southern or the indoor track, even though they don't run on Tuesdays and Fridays, cause that's our throwing day before we lift, I always do six, like 80% effort, 50 meter dashes, because I was just like, that's the only time I get to run more than 10 yards. And I don't even really lift that upward anymore. Cause I'm only there in the evening. So you know when I train, I'll train at a different gym or at Southern or whatever, but when I'm at Southern, I have the indoor tracks. So I'm like, that's the only time I get to run and actually like stride it out and feel like a little bit of the pull phase rather than just like the acceleration. Yeah. So I just force myself to sprint there Tuesdays and Fridays during the winter. Yeah. I mean, that's why like, I just love, like, I just think summertime is like a great time to like, if you're going to be like a coach, like going through the phases of it, yeah. you know, like training like that, cause you just get to go outside more. Yeah. And it is like a cutting season. The dunking arc. <laughs> dunking. I'm going to dunk this year. I'm going to make it happen. Better. Uh, just uh, go ask Jake Turner how to dunk. Forty inch vert with forty percent body fat. Make it happen. <laughs> what was it? It was like twenty two miles an hour, twenty two percent body fat. No, I, I think. Well, I think it was just we were talking about. Your, are you talking about your niche? My niche. Yeah, yeah, my niche. Uh, my yeah, niche. we're just like saying like your niche would just be like sprinting and jumping over fifteen percent body fat. Yeah, <laughs> I, I'm curious to see what I'm at now. I mean, that's what like when you joked about it, I was like, yeah, it's funny. But I'm like, man, I really gotta like focus on the nutrition part a little bit more. I was like, I'm definitely like one of those things that. I just never really liked doing. And I was like, I just got to suck it up and do it. Yeah. And then, but that, it helps me to like explain to clients, like even the older ones, I was like nutrition and your diet is like a snowball effect. So you need to have like a little, like a couple little wins like every week. And like, like the snowball starts really small cause you're just starting. And then once you get on the roll, it keeps growing bigger and bigger and bigger. And then once you get like on a roll and like you're tracking your food or you're knowing you're hitting your protein goals and you're doing everything that you know you're supposed to be doing, like you don't want to stop. Yeah. You just want you want to keep going. Even if you do have like a bad day, like a cheat day, and then you want to get right back to it the next day. That's what I always explain too with like the habits-based program is like it's it's stepping stones and building blocks where 
you know, for me personally, I, I like to think about it where I basically the first thing I did was like I cut out uh, liquid calories like back when I was in high school or whatever when I was overweight. I was like, all right, well, I'm not going to drink sugar and carbs anymore. So I cut that out. And then after a month, I was like, all right, I'm going to cut out like chips and pretzels because those are like another empty calorie at like my lunch and stuff like that. And I cut that out. And then it was like, all right, I'm going to like increase my protein intake. And then once I did that for a couple months, it was like, all right, now I'm going to like take out bread because I know that bread like for me which is very easy to eat a lot of it. And then when I switched to things like oatmeal and rice and potatoes, I was able to have a carbohydrate, but just be a little bit more full off of it and not want to crave more and more bread and get that like insulin spike and then that crash. And then it was just like, once I did all that, did that for like a couple, like like a year and got to like a really good point. And then when I had Tommy John, I went full like tracking calories. And then that was when like I took it to the next level. But it was like, I made those stepping stones of like, you know, no liquid calories for a couple months and then no like, you know, no empty carbohydrates. And then it was like, you know, just progressively got, got more strict with it as I was starting to see those wins. And then I got like addicted to it and then went full board. And now it's like, you know, I'll track every once in a while now just to like kind of reset, but like I do it relatively intuitively now and I don't have to track anymore because I did it for so long. Yeah. I'm the same way. Uh, I just started tracking again. Just like, get back on like it and i like i actually like tracking like yeah. now like seeing like exactly what you're eating like the calories and making sure like your goals are hit and like i know like people like that's just an, it's a it's a good excuse as i understand where they're coming from it's like oh it's just another thing like i don't want to do it like i'm really busy like mm-hmm. so are we i was like that's what I, I think that's what like also helps is like if clients know you're there at 5 a.m and you don't leave to 9 p.m and you're still doing everything that you're preaching they'll be like ah, well, my excuse doesn't really work. Like, it's fallen on deaf ears a little bit. Like, yeah. I understand people are busy and they have their things like, like I want to go drink on the weekends. I'm like, yeah, can't. Like, I'm not saying you can't. Yeah. I was like, just be good the whole week. I was like, you're not drinking the whole week, are you? No. I'm like, all right. So just dial the nutrition Monday through Friday and then Saturday go out. Yeah. Like, it doesn't have to be that strict and regimented if that's like something that you really want to do. But then I think once you do those five days in a row of like being really good, you're not going to want to drink as much on Saturday yeah. from my experience. I was like, yeah, like, I once have... you have the healthy mindset, you don't want to ruin it. You're already setting yourself up for success. You're already prioritizing the good stuff. You get into a good routine. It's all about your habit and your environment. You know, it's like once you're out of your environment, your habits, like it's a lot easier to snowball effect into the opposite direction. That's what I noticed for myself too. Even if we're on a track trip and we're eating out every meal and like the team's paying for it and you start to see what other people on the team are eating it, even like, even gets hard yeah. or even as a coach I'm like sometimes I just want to pick out and drink soda and I stuff. Mean, I want egg McMuffin so bad right now <laughs> but yeah I think that's going back to like like if you're going to talk about it you have to be about it I think clients will take in take it to heart a lot more if you say well this is what I do and like, this is how I approach it yeah. versus this is what the research says yeah. like you're like this is what the book says the clients don't give a shit what the book says they don't care about what research says I really care what research says because it changes every week. Yeah, like, but I know, like, I'll tell you. A lot, of the, a lot of the studies are, are, you know, funded by very biased sources. Yeah, like saying, like, well. like Kellogg's cereal is healthy for you than a steak. You ever sell that? You see that one? Yeah, and it's sponsored yeah. by Kellogg's. Yeah, it's sponsored by Kellogg's. Like, yeah, no shit, they're going to say cereal. They're going to find something that it's yeah. better at. Oh, but, it has lower fat content. <laughs> like, oh, my God, mind blown. It's insane. <laughs> yeah, but it was like, I think if you can give your point of view from, like, how you've seen success and, like, all right, you want to jump higher, well, X, Y, and Z is what I did. Like this is how I approached it. Is what I'm not saying you have to do it this exact way, but I'm going to give you a framework that I know I tried it and it worked. Like follow this framework, and I can nearly guarantee you're going to get the results you want. Well, that's why even for me, like with in terms of the people that I work with, 
that's why throwers I've just succeeded with a lot more because um, it's just it is very difficult for me sometimes to and I've gotten better at it like I can empathize with adults and stuff and they you know they got the busy work life and their mom and you know they get stressed out and have hormones and stuff like that but it's like that's not my wheelhouse yeah my wheelhouse is being able to talk to another dude that like I've been through the exact same thing as him and it's like that's what that's what I always like to say too is like I'm best suited to help the person I once was and I once was a skinny thrower. I once was a fat thrower. I once was an immobile thrower. I was a thrower that had elbow issues. I was a thrower who struggled mentally with the sport. And um, I was a thrower who got cut from the baseball team to then go throw javelin. So it's like I've kind of really covered all the bases in terms of that. I just haven't been an elite thrower yet. So that's the next step. But Yeah, I think, I think all that stuff's like important. Like you have to go through it in Absolutely. order for it to like actually mean something. Yeah. Because if you're not, like, who cares? Yeah. Got anything else? That's it. All right. So, yeah, if you're a young coach out there and you're not training, start working out. <laughs> Lift heavy. All right. See you guys.